0: Good morning. Welcome back to the broadcast for Timer Network. This is BRN AM for Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. And our top story today, housing is linked to lower cancer mortality in U.S. veterans. Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Dr. Hannah Decker is with the University of California at San Francisco. Dr. Decker, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning.
1: Thanks for having me
0: yeah this is and and as I was explaining to you before we started the interview, this is a really important topic for the broadcast retirement Network, and I know you feel equally passionate uh, in terms of your work. Um, how pervasive is veteran homelessness and
1: and how impactful is it to the to overall health? That's a great question. thank you so much so. We know that the federal government has made ending and addressing veteran homelessness a priority since 2009. And what we really have seen over the, you know, the past decade plus since that time is a marked reduction in veteran homelessness overall. There's actually been a 45% reduction in veteran homelessness, which far outpaces the changes in the general U.S. population, where the unhoused population has actually been increasing Um, especially in certain parts of the country. And so we have seen that veteran homelessness while a big issue is something that the government has been tackling um, in part through the VA. And then in terms of how homelessness affects health, there's a wealth of studies that have shown that being unhoused affects nearly every single aspect of health. Um, Unhoused people have higher rates of chronic diseases like heart disease and cancer, which are two of the leading causes of death. In older unhoused adults, they have higher rates of traumatic injuries, um, have higher rates of substance use disorders, and all of this culminates in markedly premature rates of mortality for unhoused people compared to the general, general population. So when we talk about how housing impacts health, it really impacts every single element of, you know, of people's lives. And um. And and their health outcomes, and we can see that in in premature mortality.
0: And let's talk about this study because your study and the team study. I know it's it takes more than a village. To, it takes a village to do this type of work. But since I have you front and center, the study that you uh, led and helped author, um, it's unique. This is unique. It's the first time that this has ever really been done, correct? Uh, to tie these tie some of these chronic conditions to
1: housing. That's right. Yeah. So the study that we did was really trying to answer the following question. Does gaining housing after in the year after cancer diagnosis, is that associated with better outcomes than remaining homeless? And um, there have been studies in other realms that have looked at the health impacts of gaining housing, but it hasn't been studied before in cancer. And we thought that it was important to study it in cancer because A few reasons, one, cancer is a leading cause of death, like I said, in in older unhoused adults. Um, Two, the the unhoused population in this country is aging. So at this time, nearly half of all of the unhoused um, single adults are actually aged 50 years or older. And that's the age at which cancer incidence increases and also screening recommendations start to kick in where we start to recommend screening for certain cancers. And so we really wanted to see, and sorry, the last thing is that we know that cancer treatment is very complicated in today's day and age. It's multidisciplinary. It takes inputs from medical oncologists, surgical oncologists, radiation oncologists, social workers, and all different people who touch many different parts of the healthcare system. And so we wondered, you know, does gaining housing help facilitate some of that care and help contribute to better outcomes overall? Mm -hmm. And, And Oh, go ahead.
0: I interrupted you and right in
1: its thought. Go ahead. That's okay. Um, So to try to kind of answer that question, what we did is we looked at about a decade of cancer diagnoses at the VA. And what we were able to do is ascertain people's housing status. So were they unhoused at the time of diagnosis or were they housed at the time of diagnosis? And then in the year afterwards, Did that housing status change? Did people gain housing or did people lose housing? What we found, uh, we had a sample of over 100,000 veterans, so a very large sample. We found is that just about 5% of veterans were actually unhoused at the time of cancer diagnosis. And of that group, 20% actually gained housing and were housed in the year following diagnosis. And when we compared outcomes between those groups, What we found, which I think is not surprising, is that the unhoused veterans had worse survival overall after diagnosis with lung and colorectal cancer specifically. Um, But the veterans who gained housing in the year afterwards, they actually had really improved survival that was in fact about equal to veterans who were housed for the entire period of time. So we found that to be pretty interesting and, and pretty exciting actually. Yeah, I mean, it, it just makes the case that if you are housed
0: um, and you get the appropriate treatment and, and you get screened because it, screening is an important part of catching cancer early so that you can cr- treat it, you've got a higher survivor, survivability. When you just define housing, how do you define that? Is it a shelter? So if you maybe you don't have your own house, but maybe you're rooming with someone or you're part of a, you know, go to a local shelter. How, how
1: is that housing defined? That's a great question, and I think that it actually really highlights one super important issue with with research and programs related to housing, which is that we know housing exists on a spectrum, that there's high-quality housing, and then there's low-quality housing, and then that goes on and on and on to living in a shelter, living in a tent on the street, you know, being unsheltered, Um, and so it's very hard to actually determine where along that spectrum people fall. And one of the reasons is because in large administrative data sets, like you know through hospital systems or other kind of health systems, really we don't do a very good job of documenting housing status. And we definitely don't do it with the level of granularity that I think you're alluding to that we really need to know. Um, But the VA, in contrast to that, really does a great job of documenting housing status, which sort of goes hand in hand with this federal effort to address and, um, and end veteran homelessness. Because to do that, you have to be able to identify it. So through the VA electronic health record,
0: <clears throat>
1: there are um, multiple places where housing status is documented. And we were able to cobble together all of those different sources from diagnosis codes to housing registries and all of that to say, well, who really is unhoused and who is housed? And the way we were able to tell how that changed over time was because the VA periodically screens veterans and asks them, do you have stable housing? And so um, a lot of it is, a- is actually self-reported and, and what a veteran considers to be stable housing. But for the most part, um, living you know, in, in a vehicle that's not really suitable for, um, for or wasn't designed to be you know, a living situation, living in a tent, living outside, living in a shelter, All of those we would consider to be unhoused based on um, the federal government's definition of being unhoused.
0: Well, Dr. Decker, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about veteran homelessness and what policymakers should be thinking about when they look at this study. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRA AM. Imagine a new television network. That will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa To the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Dr. Decker, thanks so much for staying with us. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment number two this morning.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah,
0: it's a very, very important topic. So uh, this is a, a groundbreaking study because you're tying these chronic diseases, cancer, to uh, homelessness and whether or not, the, you know, the, what the mortality looks like how does this inform the VA? How does this inform our policymakers who fund the VA and also help the VA
1: kind of navigate its, its initiatives? What, what does it mean to them? Thanks for the question. I think what we're trying to highlight in this study is something that my my mentor, Dr. Margot cushell who's a senior author on the study says, which is that there's no medicine as powerful as housing. And we really wanted to highlight The association between gaining housing and better outcomes overall. And we think, you know, this is a retrospective study. So there, we, we can't say for sure that gaining housing caused better outcomes, but we can say that those two things are associated and we have some hypotheses for why that may be the case. Um, we think that housing, that housing leads to an ability to, you know, make it to outpatient appointments. It reduces competing priorities. It reduces exposure to outside forces that you might be vulnerable to when you're living on the street or you're living in a shelter. And so I think that um, the VA has already done an amazing job at adopting housing first principles. But, um, and and of course there's more to be done in terms of getting unhoused veterans housing. Um, I think what's really interesting is how the, the lessons from the VA can actually be adapted in other settings as well, because we know that the VA has a different sort of set of strengths and resources and constraints that that exist in other settings. Um, One interesting thing is that the the findings that that we saw in the VA, we did see worse outcomes, worse survival outcomes after cancer diagnosis in unhoused veterans when compared to housed. But those were actually much smaller than we observed in other settings, like in um, public hospital settings or other studies that have been done. And so our next, you know, thought is really um, about how we can take some of the lessons from the VA and adapt those to other settings.
0: Yeah. Uh, Again, I guess it it goes back to forth, back and forth. I mean, the VA, my understanding is the VA is the largest healthcare provider in the world. So they have a, you know, they, they do a great job for, such a, a volume of, of, uh, of, of cases that they treat, people that they, they treat. So it's absolutely amazing. Um, doctor, how do you follow up on this, this work? Because it's groundbreaking. Uh, you looked into housing. I would imagine that look, there are a lot of things going on in your heads, in the team's heads, about how do you, how do you collect data? How do you further uh, mine this hypothesis to confirm it? Um, wh- where do you go from here?
1: Thanks for that great question. You know, I think that um, what we're really interested in is learning about how the VA, getting a more deep understanding of how the VA gets veterans into housing, especially those that are diagnosed with serious chronic diseases like cancer, and what works for these, you know, for these patients and for these people. And how can, like I was saying, how can we adapt that to other settings? And I think that that's Really important, especially in the context of this new focus on the upstream social determinants of health. We know that health outcomes are, sure, they're related to, to the, the medications you get and the treatments you get, but a large proportion of your health outcomes are actually related to things that happen outside the hospital walls and outside the clinic walls. And there's a new emphasis on this. Um, and, and there actually has been a move for insurers, um, including Medi-Cal, which is the Medicaid for California, to focus on upstream social determinants of health, including housing. So we think that it it is important to really try to understand the things that the VA is doing right in these cases and think about how can we adapt these to other settings and how can we um, continue to build the body of evidence that housing is associated with better health outcomes in order to continue to motivate increased investment in, you know, the social determinants of health that are upstream of a patient ever walking into my, to my clinic.
0: Yeah. A uh, proactive versus reactive treatment. I, I mean, that's, that's where medicine is headed. And again, credit all to the VA because they they're the largest healthcare provider in the world. They're doing a lot of great things. And I wonder, doctors just to kind of close it out. Do we need to do a better job of education? Uh, we can always, we always can do more education. So understanding, you know, when you're, when, I've not served in the military, but I have family members who have, and when you serve in the military, there's kind of a, you know, there's regimented behaviors, uh, get, going to the doctor, getting, getting looked at. Um, and then maybe when you transition to civilian life after the military, maybe there needs to be some lessons about ed- education about, okay, these are the things now that you need to think about going to get your regular checkup doing the screenings that you were mentioning in segment one, uh, do we need to focus some of our attention? In, in, uh, and not to say that people are ignorant, they're not ignorant, but just making sure that when you leave the service, you transition into civilian life, that you're learning all these important things that you have to do, get your ears checked, et cetera.
1: That's a great point and and something I hadn't thought about. I mean, But I'm always in support of more primary and preventative care and education for patients because we know that you know prevention is really the best medicine yeah
0: dr decker it's great to see you thanks so much for joining us great study and we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon thanks so much and that wraps up this episode of brnam have a topic of interest someone you think we should talk to drop us a line and don't forget for all the latest curated news and lifestyle wellness finance tech so much more in all in one place check out today's edition of our daily newsletter the morning pulse want to search our archives check out our latest content well visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another edition of BRN AM. We'll have a very special guest and another important topic. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Mm-hmm.